8 o'clock. Good morning. This is Northern Light for Thursday, July 6th. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. News that Nova Bus plans to pull out of Plattsburgh shocked the region last month. Local leaders say they're focused on finding employees new work and reaching out to other manufacturers to move into the company's facility. We're already getting calls uh, from potential prospects out there in the international marketplace who have heard the news uh, and want to know more. Also, this past weekend was the beginning of a new pilot bus route that'll have Saturday service to Aquasasne from several St. Lawrence County towns throughout July. Lucy Grendon brings us more. And two years after New York State legalized adult recreational use of marijuana, the industry is plagued by delays and complaints, including from licensed growers. I am profoundly disappointed in the current direction and deeds of the state of New York and the many entities represented in this room. Collectively, these agencies are not moving fast enough to create a viable marketplace. And David Summerstein has a profile of the Ottawa Blues Fest, which opens tonight. Festival has grown to be a lot, more, be about a lot more than blues. All that and more is coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by AdirondackExplorer.com and AdirondackAlmanac.com, presenting daily updated news on public policy, environmental issues, and local communities in the Adirondack Park. And by Gray and Gray and Associates, CPAs, an accounting and financial services firm in northern New York with offices in Canton, Potsdam, and Spring Hill, Florida. GrayCPAS.com. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. When Nova Bus announced it was pulling out of Plattsburgh last month, affecting 350 people, the region was blindsided. I couldn't believe it was true. It just came out of left field. Stunned, totally surprised, and profoundly sad. That was Clinton County Legislature Chair Mark Henry, Sylvia Nelson, who leads the North Country Workforce Development Board, and Gary Douglas, president of the North Country Chamber of Commerce. Nova Bus plans to shift production to Quebec by 2025. As the dust settles, the company and those local leaders say they're focused on taking care of affected employees and looking toward the future. Champlain Valley reporter Kara Chapman reports. Amy Dumas is a quality technician at Nova Bus's Plattsburgh facility. She's a mom of four and was on maternity leave when the company announced its plans to close the factory and move bus production to Quebec over the next couple years. They had a meeting uh, within the business uh, and they called me afterwards to make sure I didn't hear it from a third party. Dumas says she was upset and a little panicked when she first heard the news. She's worked there since the facility first opened in 2009. I honestly didn't expect it. Uh, I don't think anybody did. I think we all, a lot of us, uh, considered it to be our last job. She says Novabus was constantly getting orders for its buses. Over the last two years, the company has won contracts for multiple U.S. transit authorities, including those that serve New York City and Washington, D.C. But the company says U.S. production has experienced, quote, continued financial losses over the years. Christos Kritsidimas is head of public affairs at Novabus. He says the losses were caused by a number of factors and have been the reality since the beginning. It is not new. 
But every year we had hopes that next year would be better and this is going to improve and that's going to improve. Um, and, it, and it didn't materialize. Novabus hopes shifting bus production to Quebec will help make it profitable. In the meantime, Critsadima says Novabus is working to keep employees on board as it finishes out U.S. orders. He says Human Resources has laid out retention bonuses and severance packages, among other measures. Dumas says that's helped calm her and her coworkers since the announcement. You know, I don't know a lot of the newer employees, so I can't really speak for them. But the people I've worked alongside for years, I think they're all feeling the same way. Um, we feel, I feel, and what I've heard is that they know we'll be taken care of at the end and that they want to finish it out for the company, for each other. Dumas says she's open to relocating within the Volvo Group, which owns Novabus, to keep her benefits and time off. But she also says she hopes everyone can find jobs locally and that other companies will offer similar pay and other perks. Sylvie Nelson, who leads the North Country Workforce Development Board, says the hope is that most of Novabus's employees will stay local. There's quite a bit of various openings in other um, other manufacturing plans that perhaps these employees can go to. They have great skills. Uh, they're very valuable employees. But those workers aren't the only priority for the Workforce Development Board and its partners. Nelson says Novabus is an anchor in the region's transportation cluster. And so there are quite a bit of other manufacturing entities in the area that support the efforts of Novabus. So they, they basically, they produce components that go into the buses. So another big concern after the announcement was how to support those businesses and their employees as Novabus leaves the area. But Gary Douglas, president of the North Country Chamber of Commerce, says most of the smaller manufacturers supply other industries or have a variety of customers across the country. So... It's not quite the automatic ripple effect that some might have assumed offhand. Douglas says the chamber has now met with all of Novabus's suppliers in the region. We actually feel encouraged that in a few cases uh, they have other work that they can pursue and they're actually very, uh, very committed and determined to stay in the area and develop over the, the next year, year and a half other customers. One big theme you'll hear from Douglas and other community leaders is that the region's been through big changes like this before. The Plattsburgh Air Force Base closed in the 90s, and Pfizer took hundreds of jobs when it closed facilities in Shazy and Rouse's Point. We've gone through this before as a, as a county, as a community. That's Mark Henry, chair of the Clinton County Legislature. I believe we will come out of this again, and uh, we will be stronger for it. But it's it certainly doesn't make it any easier for the folks that will be affected by this. Kritzadimus hinted that this might not be the end for the Volvo Group in Plattsburgh. He says Novabus and its Plattsburgh and state stakeholders are exploring a way to present the local workforce and facility as a package that can be repurposed for one of its sister companies. But he strongly emphasizes all that is preliminary. No, we don't want to make promises. We don't want to be held to, oh, but you said you promised way too early for that. But we, we, we like a facility. So it is our intent to present it to the group. Douglas says the advance notice of the closure gives the community time to reach out to other manufacturers who might be able to move into Novabus's facility, which is still fairly new. We're already getting calls uh, from potential prospects out there in the international marketplace who have heard the news uh, and want to know more. Honestly, uh, the business is set up. It's set up well. That's Dumas again. We have vendors. You know, they would. it would be silly for nobody to come in and scoop it up. Novabus says it plans to finish out its contracts with the goal of shutting down production in Plattsburgh at the beginning of 2025. Kara Chapman, North Country Public Radio.
You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. It's eight minutes past eight. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Just ahead, the Ottawa Blues Festival is a massive multi-genre event with big bands and big crowds. And it opens tonight. And we've got a preview coming up in just a few minutes here on Northern Light. Dunham, South Glens Falls. You can check out his music and that of many other regional artists. Part of our Underscore project. Check it out at ncpr.org slash underscore. Northern Light is supported by Renew Architecture and Design, designing camps, custom homes, and more throughout NCPR's listening region. Details at renewarchitecture.com. A Waddington man volunteering in Ukraine was one of dozens of people injured in a Russian missile strike last week. According to the Watertown Daily Times, 24-year-old Cristiano Zeladon was eating at a pizzeria in the eastern city of Kramatorsk uh, when the missiles hit the restaurant. More than 10 people were killed and dozens more were injured. The strike took place on June 27th and was part of a wider attack on the city. The Times reports that Zeladon was in Ukraine as a volunteer civilian delivering medical supplies. He's now recovering in a Ukrainian hospital from severe head injuries and burns. Zeladon's sister told the paper he's a former U.S. Marine who was born and raised in St. Lawrence County. She and her family are raising money through the website Spot Fund to help bring him home. As of Wednesday, the fundraiser had brought in more than $4,600 of its $100,000 goal. New York's legal cannabis rollout is off to a rocky start. It's been plagued by numerous problems, including too many farmers licensed to grow marijuana and too few stores open to sell their products. Karen DeWitt takes a closer look. The adult use of recreational cannabis was legalized over two years ago. Since then, the industry in the state has progressed slowly. Just a handful of retail stores have opened to sell marijuana to date. As a result, around 200 farmers who were granted growing licenses in 2022 have been left stranded. They have crops that have been harvested but have few places to sell them. Jeff Jones, who has a state license to grow cannabis in the Finger Lakes region, is one of several farmers who expressed displeasure at a recent meeting of the state's Cannabis Control Board. I am profoundly disappointed in the current direction and deeds of the state of New York and the many entities represented in this room. Collectively, these agencies are not moving fast enough to create a viable marketplace for small businesses. Jeanette Miller, who runs the Eclectic Farmstead in Niagara County, is a founding member of the Cannabis Farmers Alliance. It's an advocacy group of 25 state-licensed cannabis growers. The group formed in response to what they say are confusing and contradictory state regulations and what growers believe is a lack of support from the State Office of Cannabis Management. Miller, who says she's an experienced hemp farmer and holds a master's degree, says she and the other state-licensed growers are 
running small businesses that can't survive for long without the opportunity to sell their crops. The only legal cannabis was grown by us, and we need to find out how to you know, work with it to get it out to the consumers and then move forward so we can have the next batch going into the stores when they're ready because we have the legal cannabis. Everything else is illicit or medical. The growers also worry that they'll soon have to compete with cannabis grown by the state's medical marijuana industry. They are better funded and possess large indoor growing facilities. The Cannabis Control Board is creating regulations for the sale of those products, but it's not yet granted approval. Assembly Majority Leader Crystal Peoples-Stokes, who sponsored the original bill legalizing cannabis, was also at the meeting. She asked for tolerance, saying no other state has tried to set up a social equity program quite like New York's. We decided to take a method that was going to invest in the people who had the most impact Mm. from the war on drugs. That's a challenge. You got to know, I've been in these places where I listen to people who don't look like me say there's no way black people can ever be in these businesses. We have to be the one to run it because we know how to do it. Well, guess what? We know how to do it, too. If you give us a chance, that's what this board is doing, giving us a chance. Now, I'm just going to ask people to be patient. The state has provisionally approved over 150 retail licenses, but only around 16 have so far actually opened dispensary stores. New York gave preference to applicants who were convicted of a marijuana-related charge during cannabis prohibition. They're also required to have successfully operated a business for at least two years. But the licensees have complained that the program, administered through the state's dormitory authority, has been slow to come through through with the turnkey ready locations that they initially promised. The store locations were to be financed by a social equity fund run through the dormitory authority, but a firm contracted over a year ago to raise $150 million for the fund failed to follow through. A key figure involved in overseeing the social equity fund, Reuben McDaniel, resigned from the Cannabis Control Board in mid-June. As of the end of today's meeting, I am resigning from the Cannabis Control Board. McDaniels is keeping his job as CEO of the Dormitory Authority. Several days later, Governor Kathy Hochul announced in a press release that a new firm has been chosen, Chicago Atlantic. It's pledged to invest the $150 million. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. This past weekend was the beginning of a new pilot bus route with service to Aquasasne from several St. Lawrence County towns. A reporter, Lucy Grindon, was on the bus, brings us this story. The new bus route offers the first ever weekend service to Aquasasne. We're piloting Route 75, which is going to be on the next four Saturdays in July. That's John Bailey. I'm a St. Lawrence County public transit driver. Route 75 starts in Canton in the morning, makes stops in Madrid and Messina, and finally reaches Aquasasne. It then shuttles back and forth between Aquasasne and Messina throughout the day, before heading all the way back to Canton in the late afternoon. Its first day of operation was this past weekend, the day of the Aquasasne art market and juried show. But there weren't many riders. We've only had a couple today. Um, I think the word has to get out first, so, yep. This route is totally free for passengers. The Aquasasne Mohawk Casino and Aquasasne Travel are covering everyone's fares. Sonia Jensen from the Volunteer Transportation Center designed the route. 
She says she's hoping people will use it to reach the Aquasazne farmer's market on Saturdays. The casino is also likely to be a popular destination. The bus's stops in Aquasazne are the casino, Generations Park, where the farmer's market happens, the Twin Leaf convenience store, and two low-income housing apartments. The bus will run every Saturday of this month. St. Lawrence County Public Transit also operates 16 regular bus routes with shuttles and loops connecting places like Huvelton, Ogdensburg, and Raymondville. Lucy Grinden, North Country Public Radio. Governor Kathy Hochul signed a bill this week lowering the minimum wage of lifeguards working at children's summer camps to 15 before you had to be at least 17 to become a lifeguard in New York. The legislation says that up to half of the required lifeguards on duty at a summer camp can be 15 as long as they're being supervised by a camp aquatics director. The governor says the legislation will help address a lifeguard shortage in New York State. People planning to watch the solar eclipse in April 2024 can now make reservations to stay at a New York State Park campground. Governor Hochul announced this week that seven different campgrounds will open early to accommodate travelers. All of them are located in western New York, except for Wellesley Island Park in Jefferson County. We have more information on our website, ncpr.org. to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Coming up in just a minute, we've got a preview of the Ottawa Blues Fest. It starts tonight. Then stick around after the show for Bird Note. We're taking a look at the elegant black tern, which breed in, su- in the summertime on secluded wetlands across the northern states and in Canada. There have been major losses, but we'll find out more coming up at 842. But first, Todd has a look at the weather for us. Yeah, it's going to be hot again today, hotter than it was yesterday. Muggy, sticky, highs upper 80s, low 90s today. Light winds out of the south, southeast, uh, with some scattered showers and thunderstorms. Uh, the Weather Service says sunshine in Champlain Valley and southern Adirondacks, Glens Falls, Lake George, Saratoga, those communities, but uh, partly cloudy elsewhere. Maybe an occasional shower or thunderstorm today and tonight, about a 30% chance of rain today, 60% chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms tomorrow with highs in the low 80s on Friday. Saturday at this point, partly cloudy, highs upper 70s, low 80s, light winds out of the southwest, and then some scattered rain again on Sunday. And we have sunshine, 74 degrees right now in Canson. In 1994, a blues festival launched in Ottawa with Clarence Clemens of Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band and Buckwheat Zydeco as headliners. 29 years later, the RBC Ottawa Blues Festival is a massive multi-genre event with big bands and big crowns, and it opens tonight and runs through July 16th in downtown Ottawa. Spokesman Joe Riley told David Summerstein, while blues artists do still play, the festival has grown to offer music for all tastes. We want to make sure that everybody feels like they can come down for at least one 
big musical experience and have a great time. Who's uh, the biggest headliner you have uh, this year? Well, at the, you know, when you have Pitbull, Shania Twain, and the Foo Fighters, you got to be careful who's listening. You say who's the biggest uh, headliner, but I can say this. Um, we have had to stop selling individual day tickets for Shania Twain. Let's go, girls. It, it, there's just so much interest in that show with her as, as an artist. by full festival passes uh, and therefore include Shania Twain in, in, in what they can see at the festival, but no day passes. So I have to say that, you know, those three are really rocking it in the sales department, um, but Shania is out in front and uh, looks like it's going to be an amazing show uh, for opening night on the, on the 6th. Mr. Worldwide to infinity, <laughs> you know the roof on fire. We go boogie, hoogie, hoogie, jiggle, wiggle, and dance <laughs> like the roof on fire. And then you have uh, Pitbull, I saw there. <laughs> yes, so we, always gotta, we always love to try and bring in some kind of a iconic R&B and hip-hop type artist. I'm a fireball. Give me a sense of like a band or two that you're really excited about, that maybe we don't know about. I'll tell you that one of them that I'm really excited about that a lot of people do know about, but maybe don't know what they're all about, and that is uh, The Smile, which features Tom York and Johnny Greenwood of um, Radiohead. I just read a review about them launching their North American tour, I think it was in Austin, and man, the reviewer was just glowing about that show. So I'm really looking forward to what they're going to be doing in, 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 in the live setting here. I really love artists that are tapping into um, making sure the voices of, of, of people who we haven't heard enough from uh, are being heard. And, and I think about two Canadian artists, one that's living in the States now, though. Adrian Sutherland is an amazing Indigenous artist. Uh, his latest album is so, so strong. And really looking forward to, to seeing him at the festival. I get tired sometimes. amazing community activist. He lives in a very remote uh, indigenous uh, community in northern Canada and you know he, he gets out into the world with his songs and he's really helping to you know raise awareness and, and to be the voice for his community. Another artist that I'm really loving who's living in the States these days is Alison Russell. Um, man, so much stuff has blown up for her since she released her first solo recording. Um, an amazing, amazing album that really tells the story of, you know, someone who has overcome 
uh, childhood abuse and trauma. She went on to be a social worker working in the streets of Vancouver for many years, as well as being a singer songwriter. And her stuff has just blown up, and she is amazing. Her, 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 I'm really looking forward to seeing her live because she has not made it to Ottawa since releasing that album. So she's going to be a real treat for us here. You know, given this huge range of genres and artists, have has your group ever thought about changing the name Ottawa Blues Fest? Every year I've got to go and answer this question for folks. So that's our brand. We've established our brand for the festival. Um, and when people hear we're going to play Ottawa Blues Fest, they know that. There's a super amazing crew working on this event. The volunteers are fantastic. And, and we've created this amazing experience for both artists and audience and hey that's really the point of performing arts right to get out there uh, as producers and put on amazing performances bring audience and artists together and you know since that name is out there and and, and has been uh, established and it's a great brand the idea was now we're just we're just gonna stick with it I mean in, in, in the same way that Ottawa's Jazz Fest and Montreal's Jazz Fest are, are more than just that uh, I think that uh, people recognize that now and we're not gonna mess with the name Riley is with the RBC Ottawa Blues Festival. He spoke with David Summerstein. The festival opens tonight with headliner Shania Twain and runs through July 16th at the Leberton Flats in downtown Ottawa.
You're listening to Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. It's 828. I'm Monica Sandreski here with Todd Moe. We are getting to the end of the show, but before we go, I do want to remind you about the Howell Story Slam tonight in Old Forge. Join us at Fulton Chain Craft Brewery. The Howell features true five-minute stories told live on stage with no notes and no props. The theme for the evening is Falling For It. And for more details and storytelling tips, visit ncpr.org slash Howell. We want to hear from you. We want you to sign up to tell a story. The first 15 people to sign up to tell stories will be included. It's free to get in, but there is a suggested $10 donation in sub- to support the Howl. Again, find out more at ncpr.org slash Howl. And we want to see you there tonight at 730 at Fulton Chain Craft Brewery in Old Forge. back to more of Morning Edition in just a moment. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Be well.